All right, kids, I'm reading chapter two of The Outsiders today. Dally was waiting for Johnny and me under the streetlight at the corner of Pickett and Sutton. And since we got there early, we had time to go over to the drugstore and the shopping center and goof around. We bought Cokes and blue straws at the waitresses, walked around eyeing things that were lying out in the open until the manager got wise to us and suggested that we leave. He was too late, though. Dally walked out with two packages of cools under his jacket. Cools are old-fashioned cigarettes. And then he went across the street and down Sutton a little to the dingo. There are lots of drive-ins in town. The Sochas go to the way out and to Rusty's, and the Greasers go to the dingo and to Jay's. The dingo is a pretty rough hangout. There's always a fight going on there, and once a girl got shot. We walked around talking to all the Greasers in the hoods that we knew, leaning in car windows or hopping into back seats and getting in on who was running away and who was in jail and who was going with who and who could whip who and who stole what and when and why. <clears throat> we knew about everybody there. There was a pretty good fight while we were there between a big 23-year-old greaser and a Mexican hitchhiker. We left when the switchblades came out because the cops would be coming soon and nobody in his right mind wants to be around when the fuzz show. We crossed Sutton and cut around behind Spencer's Special, the discount house, and chased two junior high kids across the field for a few minutes. And by then it was dark enough to sneak in over the back fence of the nightly double drive-in movie. It was the biggest in town and showed two movies every night and on the weekends four. You could say you were going to the nightly double and have time to go all over town. We all had the money to get in. It only cost a quarter if you're not in a car. But Dally hated to do things the legal way. He liked to show that he didn't care whether there was a law or not. We went around trying to break laws. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> we went to the row of seats in front of the concession stand to sit down. Nobody else was there except for two girls who were sitting down front. Dally eyed them coolly and then walked down the aisle and sat right behind them. I had a sick feeling that Dally was up to his unusual tricks, and I was right. He started talking loud enough for the two girls to hear. He started out bad and got worse. <clears throat> Dallas could talk awful dirty if he wanted to, and I guess he wanted to then. I felt my ears get hot. Too bitter, Steve, or even Soda would have gone right along with him just to see if they could embarrass the girls, but that kind of tricks just doesn't appeal to me. I sat there, struck dumb, and Johnny left hastily to get a Coke. I wouldn't have felt so embarrassed if they had been greasy girls. I might even have helped old Dallas, but these two girls weren't our kind. They were tough-looking girls dressed sharp and really good-looking. They looked about 16 or 17. One had short, dark hair, and the other had long, red hair. The redhead was getting mad or scared. She sat up straight and she was chewing hard on her gum. The other one pretended not to hear Dally. Dally was getting impatient. He put his feet up on the back of the redhead's chair, winked at me, and beat his own record for saying something dirty. She turned around and gave him a cool stare. Take your feet off my chair and shut your trap. Boy, she was good looking. I'd seen her before. She was a cheerleader at our school. I'd always thought that she was stuck up. Dally merely looked at her and kept his feet where they were. Who's going to make me? <clears throat> the other one turned around and watched us. That's the greaser that jockeys for the slash J sometimes, she said, as if we couldn't hear her. I had heard that same tone a million times. Greaser, greaser, greaser. Oh, yeah, I'd heard that tone before too many times. What were they doing at a drive-in without a car, I thought. And Dallas said, I know you too. I've seen you around rodeos. Well, it's a shame you can't ride a bull half as good as you can talk it. The redhead said coolly and turned back around. That didn't bother Dally in the least. You two barrel race, huh? You better leave us alone, the redhead said in a biting voice, or I'll call the cops. Oh, my, my, <clears throat> Dally looked bored. You've got me scared to death. You ought to see my record sometime, baby. He grinned slyly. Guess what I've been in for? Please leave us alone, she said. Why don't you be nice and leave us alone? 
Dally grinned ruggishly. I'm never nice. You want a Coke? And she was mad by then. I wouldn't drink it if I were starving in the desert. Get lost, hood. Dally merely shrugged and strolled off. The girl looked at me. I was half scared of her. I'm half scared of all nice girls, especially Sosha's. Are you going to start in on us? I shook my head wide-eyed. No. Suddenly she smiled. Gosh, she was pretty. You don't look the type. What's your name? I wish she hadn't asked me that. I hate to tell people my name for the first time. Ponyboy Curtis. And then I waited for the, you're kidding, or that's your real name, or one of the other remarks I usually get. Ponyboy's my real name, and personally, I like it. The redhead just smiled. That's an original and lovely name. My dad was an original person. I said, I've got a brother named Soda Pop. It even says so on his birth certificate. Well, my name's Sherry, but I'm called Cherry because of my hair. Cherry Valance. I know, I said. You're a cheerleader. We go to the same school. You don't look old enough to be going to high school, the dark-haired girl said. I'm not. I got put up a year in grade school. Cherry was looking at me. What's a nice smart kid like you running around with trash like that for? I felt myself stiffen. I'm a grease. Same as Dally. He's my buddy. Oh, I'm sorry, Pony Boy, she said softly. And then she said briskly, your brother Soda Pop, does he work at a gasoline station, a DX, I think? Yeah. <clears throat> Man, your brother is one doll. I might have guessed that you were brothers. You look alike. I grinned with pride. I don't think that I look one bit like Soda, but it's not every day I hear Sosha's telling me that they think my brother is a doll. Didn't he used to ride in rodeos? Saddle bronc? Yeah, my dad made him quit after he tore a ligament, though. We still hang around rodeos a lot. I've seen you two barrel race. You're good. Thanks, Cherry said. And the other girl, who was named Marsha, said, How come I don't see your brother at school? He's not any older than 16 or 17, is he? I winced inside. I've told you that I cannot stand it that Soda dropped out. He's a dropout, I said roughly. Dropout made me think of some poor, dumb-looking hoodlum wandering the streets, breaking out streetlights. It didn't fit my happy-go-lucky brother at all. It fit Dally perfectly. But you could hardly say it about soda. <clears throat> Excuse me. Johnny came back then and sat down beside me. He looked around for Dally, and then he managed to shy hi to the girls. And oh, I think I skipped a page. Sorry about that. Johnny came back then and sat down beside me. He looked around for Dally and then managed to shy hi to the girls and tried to watch the movie. He was nervous, though. Johnny was always nervous around strangers. Cherry looked at him, slicing him up as she had me, and then she smiled softly, and I knew she sized him upright. Dally came striding back with an armful of Cokes. He handed one to each of the girls and sat down beside Cherry. This might cool you off. She gave him an incredulous look, and then she threw her Coke in his face. That might cool you off, greaser. And after you wash your mouth and learn to talk and act decent, I might cool off too. Dally wiped the coke off his face with a sleeve and he smiled dangerously. If I'd have been cherry, I would have beat it out of there. I knew that smile. Fiery, huh? Well, that's the way I like him. And he started to put his arm around her, but Johnny reached over and stopped him. <clears throat> Leave her alone, Dally. Huh? Dally was taken off guard. He stared at Johnny in disbelief. Johnny couldn't say boo to a goose. Johnny gulped and he got a little pale, but he said, you heard me. Leave her alone. Dallas scowled for a second. If it had been me or Tubit or Soda or Steve or anyone but Johnny, Dally would have flattened him without a moment's hesitation. You just didn't tell Dally Winston what to do. One time in a dime store, a guy told him to move over at the candy counter and Dally turned around and belted him so hard it knocked a tooth loose. A complete stranger, too. But Johnny was the gang's pet. And Dally just couldn't hit him. He was Dally's pet, too. Dally got up and stalked off, his fist jammed in his pockets and a frown on his face. 
and he didn't come back. Cherry sighed in relief. Thanks. He had me scared to death. Johnny managed an admiring grin. Well, you sure didn't show it. Nobody talks to Dally like that. She smiled. From what I saw, you do. Johnny's ears got red, and I was still staring at him. It had taken more than nerve for him to say what he said to Dally. Johnny worshipped the ground Dallas walked on, and I had never heard Johnny talk back to anyone, much less his hero. Marsha grinned at us. She was a little smaller than Cherry, and she was cute, but that Cherry Valance was a real looker. Y'all sit up here with us. You can protect us. Johnny and I looked at each other. He grinned suddenly, raising his eyebrows so that they disappeared under his bangs. Would we ever have something to tell the boys, he, his eyes said plainly. We had picked up two girls and classy ones at that. Not any greasy broads for us, but real socias. Soda would flip when I told him. Okay, I said nonchalantly. Might as well. I sat between them and Johnny sat next to Cherry. How old are y'all? Marcia asked. Fourteen, I said. Sixteen, said Johnny. Oh, that's funny, Marcia said. I thought you were both. Sixteen, Cherry finished for her. And I was grateful because Johnny looked 14 and he knew it and it bugged him something awful. <clears throat> Johnny grinned. How come y'all ain't scared of us like you were Dally? Cherry sighed. You two are too sweet to scare anyone. First of all, you didn't join in Dallas's dirty talk and you made him leave us alone. And when we asked you to sit up here with us, you didn't act like it was an invitation to make out for the night. Besides that, I've heard about Dallas Winston and he looked as hard as nails and twice as tough. And you two don't look mean. Oh, sure, I said tiredly. We're young and innocent. No, Cherry said slowly, looking at me carefully. Not innocent. You've seen too much to be innocent. Just not dirty. Dally's okay, Johnny said defensively, and I nodded. You take up for your buddies no matter what they do. When you're a gang, you stick up for the members. If you don't stick up for them, stick together and make like brothers. It isn't a gang anymore. It's a pack. A snarling, distrustful, bickering pack like the Socias and their social clubs or the street gangs in New York, or the wolves in the timber. He's tough, but he's a cool old guy. He'd leave you alone if he knew you, I said. And that was true. When Steve's cousin came from Kansas, down to, down, I'm sorry, <clears throat> rewind. When Steve's cousin from Kansas came down, Dally was decent to her and watched his swearing. We all did around nice girls who were the cousinly type. I don't know how to explain it. We try to be nice to the girls we see once in a while, like cousins or the girls in class, but we still watch a nice girl go by on a street corner and say all kinds of lousy stuff about her. Don't ask me why. I don't know why. Well, Marcia said with finality, I'm glad he doesn't know us. I kind of admire him, Sherry said softly, so that only I heard. And then we settled down to watch the movie. Oh, yeah, we found out why they were without a car. They'd come with their boyfriends but walked out on them when they found out the boys had brought some booze along. The boys had gotten angry and left. I don't care if they did, Cherry sounded annoyed. It's not my idea of a good time to sit in a drive-in and watch people get drunk. <clears throat> you could tell by the way that she said it that her idea of a good time was probably high class and probably expensive. They decided to stay and see the movie anyway. It was one of those beach party movies with no plot and no acting, but a lot of girls in bikinis and some swinging songs, so it was all right. We were all four sitting there in silence when suddenly a strong hand came down on Johnny's shoulder and another on mine, and a deep voice said, Okay, greasers, you've had it. I almost jumped out of my skin. It was like having someone leap out from behind a door and yell, Boo at you! I looked fearfully over my shoulder, and there was Tubit, grinning like a chessy cat. Glory, Tubit, scare us to death. He was good at voice imitations and had sounded for all the world like a snarling soche. And then I looked at Johnny, and his eyes were shut, and he was as white as a ghost. His breath was coming in smothered gasps. 
Tibbet knew better than to scare Johnny like that. I guess he'd forgotten. He's kind of scatterbrained. Johnny opened his eyes and said weakly, Hey, Tibbet. Tibbet messed up his hair. Sorry, kid, he said. I forgot. <clears throat> he climbed over the chair and plopped down beside Marsha. Who's this, your great aunts? Great grandmother's twice removed, Cherry said smoothly. I couldn't tell Tubit was drunk or not. It's kind of hard to tell with him. He acts boozed up sometimes, even when he's sober. He cocked one eyebrow up and the other one down, which he always does when something puzzles him or bothers him or when he feels like saying something smart. Shoot, you're 96 if you're a day. I'm a knight, Marcia said brightly. Tubit stared at her admiringly. Brother, you're a sharp one. Where'd you two ever get to be picked up by a couple of greasy hoods like Pony and Johnny? Well, we really picked them up, Marcia said. We're really Arabian slave traders, and we're thinking about shanghaiing them. They're worth ten camels apiece, at least. Five, Tubit disagreed. They don't talk Arabian, I don't think. Say something in Arabian, Johnny Cake. I'll cut it out, Johnny broke in. Dally was bothering them, and when he left, they wanted us to sit with them to protect them against wise cracking greasers like you, probably. Two bit grinned, but Johnny didn't because Johnny didn't usually get sassy like that. We thought we were doing good if we could get him to talk at all. Incidentally, we don't mind being called greaser by another greaser. That's kind of playful then. Where's old Dally's anyway? Oh, we went hunting some action, booze or dames or a fight. I hope he don't get jailed again. He just got out. Well, he'll probably find the fight, Tubit stated cheerfully, and that's why I came over. Mr. Timothy Shepard and company are looking for whoever so kindly slashed their car's tires. And since Mr. Curly Shepard spotted Dallas doing it, well, does Dally have a blade? <clears throat> Not that I know of, I said. I think he's got a piece of pipe, but he busted his blade this morning. Well, good. Tim will fight fair if Dally don't pull a blade on him. Dally shouldn't have any trouble. Cherry and Marsha were staring at us. You don't believe in playing rough or anything, do you? A fair fight isn't rough, Tubit said. Blades are rough, and so are chains and heaters and pool sticks and rumbles. A heater is a gun. Skin fighting isn't rough. It blows off steam better than anything. There's nothing wrong with throwing a few punches. Soshas are rough. They gang, up, they gang up on one or two of us, and they, rumble, and they rumble each other with their social clubs. Us greasers usually stick together, but when we do fight among ourselves, it's a fair fight between two. And Dally deserves whatever he gets, because slash tires ain't no joke when you got to work to pay for them. He got spotted, too, and that was his fault. Our one rule besides stick together is don't get caught. He might get beat up. He might not. Either way, there's not going to be any blood feud between our outfit and Shepherd's. If we need them tomorrow, they'd show. If Tim beats Dally's head in and then tomorrow asks us for his help in a rumble, we'll show. Dally was getting his kicks. He got caught. He pays up. No sweat. Yeah, boy, Cherry said sarcastically. Real simple. Sure, Marcia said unconcerned. If he gets killed or something, you just bury him. No sweat. You dig okay, baby. Two-bit grinned, and he lit a cigarette. Anyone want a weed? Weed, back in the day, means cigarette. I looked at Tubit admiringly. He sure put things into words good. Maybe he was still a junior at 18 and a half, and maybe his sideburns were too long, and maybe he did get boozed up too much, but he sure understood things. Cherry and Marcia shook their heads at the offering of a cigarette, but Johnny and I reached for one. Johnny's color was back and his breathing was regular, but his hand was shaking ever so slightly, and a cigarette would steady it. Pony boy, will you come with me to get some popcorn? Cherry asked, and I jumped up. Sure. Y'all want some? I do, said Marcia. She was finishing the Coke that Dally had given her, and I realized then that Marcia and Cherry were not alike. Cherry had said that she wouldn't drink Dally's Coke if she were starving, and she meant it. It was the principle of the thing. 
but Marsha saw no reason to throw away a perfectly good free Coke. Me too, said Tubet. He flipped me a 50 cent piece. Get Johnny some too, I'm buying, he added as Johnny started to reach into his jeans pocket. We went to the concession stand, and as usual, there was a line a mile long, so we had to wait. Quite a few kids turned to look at us. You don't see a kid grease and a Sochi cheerleader together often. Cherry didn't seem to notice. Your friend, <clears throat> the one with the sideburns, is he okay? Oh, he ain't dangerous like Dallas, if that's what you mean. He's okay. She smiled, and her eyes showed that her mind was on something else. Johnny, he's been hurt bad sometime, hasn't he? It was more of a statement than a question. Hurt and scared? It was the Sochas, I said nervously, because there were plenty of Sochas milling around, and some of them were giving me funny looks, as if I shouldn't be with Cherry or something. And I don't like to talk about it either. Johnny getting beat up, I mean. But I started in talking a little faster than I usually do, because I don't like to think about it either. It was almost four months ago, and I'd walked down to the DX station to get a, a bottle of pop and to see Steve and Soda, because they'll always buy me a couple bottles and let me help work on cars. I don't like to go on the weekends, because then there's usually a bunch of girls down there flirting with Soda, all kinds of girls, Socias too. I don't care too much for girls yet. Soda says I'll grow out of it. He did. It was a warmish spring day with the sun shining bright, but it was getting chilly and dark by the time that we started for home. And we were walking because we'd left Steve's car at the station. At the corner of our block, there's this wide open field where we play football and we hang out. And it's often a site for rumbles and fistfights. And we were passing it, kicking rocks down the street and finishing our last bottle of Pepsi when Steve noticed something lying on the ground. <clears throat> he picked it up. It was Johnny's blue jeans jacket, the only jacket that he had. Looks like Johnny forgot his jacket, Steve said, slinging it over his shoulder to take it by Johnny's house. Suddenly he stopped and he examined it more carefully. There was a stain, the color of rust across the collar, and he looked on the ground, and there were some more stains on the grass, and he looked up and across the field with a stricken expression on his face, and I think we all heard the low moan and saw the dark, motionless hump on the other side of the lot at the same time. Soda reached him first. Johnny was lying face down on the ground. Soda turned him over gently, and I nearly got sick. Someone had beaten him badly. We were used to seeing Johnny banged up. His father clobbered him around a lot. And although it made us madder than heck, we couldn't do anything about it. But those beatings had been nothing like this. Johnny's face was cut up and bruised and swollen. And there was a wide gash from his temple to his cheekbone that he would carry that scar for the rest of his life. His white t-shirt was splattered with blood. And I just stood there trembling with sudden cold. And I thought, he might be dead. Surely nobody could be beaten like that and live. Steve closed his eyes for a second and muffled a groan as he dropped on his knees beside Soda. Somehow the gang sensed what had happened. Tubit was suddenly there beside us, and for once his comical grin was gone, and his dancing gray eyes were stormy. Derry had seen us from our porch, and he ran toward us, suddenly skidding to a halt. Dally was there, too, swearing under his breath and turning away with sick expression on his face. And I wondered about it vaguely. Dally had seen people killed on the streets of New York's west side. Why did he look sick now? Johnny Soda lifted him up and held him against his shoulder. He gave his limp body a slight shake. Hey, Johnny Cake. Johnny didn't open his eyes, but there came the soft question. Soda? Yeah, it's me, Soda Pop said. Don't talk. You're going to be okay. There was a whole bunch of him, Johnny went on, swallowing, ignoring Soda's command. A blue Mustang bull, and I got so scared, and he tried to swear, but suddenly he started crying, trying to control himself, and then sobbering all the more because he couldn't. 
I had seen Johnny take a whipping with a two by four from his old man and never let out a whimper. That made it worse to see him break now. Soda just held him and pushed Johnny's hair back out of his eyes. It's okay, Johnny Cake. They're gone now. It's okay. Finally, between sobs, Johnny managed to gasp out the story. He had been hunting our football to practice a few kicks when a blue Mustang had pulled up beside the lot, and there were four Soshas in it. They had caught him, and one of them had a lot of rings on his hand, and that's what had cut Johnny up so badly. It wasn't just that they had beaten him half to death. He could take that. They had scared him. They had threatened him with everything under the sun. Johnny was high strung anyway, a nervous wreck from getting belted every time he turned around and from hearing his parents fight all the time. Living in those conditions might have turned someone else rebellious and bitter. It was killing Johnny. He had never been a coward. He was a good man in a rumble. He stuck up for the gang and he kept his mouth shut good around the cops. But after that night of the beating, Johnny was jumpier than ever. I didn't think he'd ever get over it. Johnny never walked by himself after that. And Johnny, who was the most law-abiding of us all, now carried in his back pocket a six-inch switchblade. He'd use it too if he ever got jumped again. They had scared him that much. He would kill the next person who jumped him. Nobody was ever going to beat him like that again, not over his dead body. I'd nearly forgotten that Cherry was listening to me, but when I came back to reality, I looked at her and I was startled to find her as white as a sheet. All socials aren't like that, she said. You had to believe me, pony boy. Not all of us are like that. Sure, I said. That's like saying all of you greasers are like Dallas Winston. I'll bet he's jumped a few people. I digested that. It was true. Dally had jumped people. He had told us stories about muggings in New York that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. But not all of us were that bad. Cherry no longer looked sick, only sad. I'll bet you think the socias have it made. The rich kids, the West Side socias. I'll tell you something, Pony Boy, and it may come as a surprise. We have troubles that you have never even heard of. You want to know something? She looked me straight in the eye. Things are rough all over. I believe you, I said. We'd better get back out there with the popcorn or Two-Bit will think that I ran off with his money. We went back and we watched the movie through again. Marsha and Two-Bit were hitting it off just fine. Both had the same scatterbrained sense of humor. But Cherry and Johnny and I just sat there looking at the movie and not talking. And I quit worrying about everything. And I thought about how nice it was to sit with the girl without having to listen to her swear or beat her off with a club. I knew Johnny liked it too. He didn't talk to girls much. Once while Dallas was in reform school, Sylvia had started hanging on to Johnny and sweet-talking him, and Steve got a hold of her, and he told her if she tried any of her tricks with Johnny, he'd personally beat the tar out of her. And then he gave Johnny a lecture on girls and how a sneaky little broad like Sylvia would get him into a lot of trouble. And as a result, Johnny never spoke to girls much. But whether that was because he was scared of Steve or because he was shy, I couldn't tell. I got the same lecture from Tubit after we picked up a couple of girls downtown one day. I thought it was funny because girls are one subject that even Derry thinks I use my head about. And it really had been funny because Tubit was half crocked when he gave me the lecture. And he told me some stories that made me want to crawl under the floor or something. But he'd been talking about girls like Sylvia and the girls that he and Dally and the rest picked up at drive-ins and downtown. He never said anything about social girls. So I figured it was all right to be sitting there with them even if they did have their own troubles. I really couldn't see what Socias would have to sweat about. Good grades, good cars, good girls, Madras and Mustangs and Corvairs. Man, I thought if I had worries like that, I'd consider myself lucky. 
I know better now. All right, guys, that's the end of chapter two. But what I want to tell you is that this story that's being written by Ponyboy, at the very end, you'll find out that this is his paper that he's writing for English class. So when he says, I know better now, that's an example of foreshadowing, meaning he thought the socialists have got it. Their lives are made. They're set. Everything is great. Um, but now that all this has happened and he's going back writing his his story, his paper, which is this book, The Outsiders, then he actually knows uh, that's not exactly true. That's an example of foreshadowing. Shadowing. So stay tuned next time um, for Chapter 3.